Welcome to the Human Being Unleashed podcast, where we redefine, realign, and reimagine what it means to be human so that you can live a life with the health, wealth, and relationships that are inherently yours. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. I am so excited today, just like every other episode, especially when I have a guest on. I'm genuinely happy when I bring guests on because I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm an introvert, but when it, I can turn it on when it comes like to the extrovert part. And there's a part of me that just loves getting to interview these um, amazing individuals and get to know them. And um, with that being said, I got to sit down today with a sage. <laughs> it just happened to work out pretty great. And no, I'm just playing. Her name is McKenna Sage. And she not only helps coaches and change experts, I like to say, um, step into their ability to create more transformative experiences for their clients, but she also helps them grow their businesses. But I didn't bring her on here to talk about how she can help you grow your business and um, all of the super, super, super interesting techniques on how to be a better coach. And although we do go uh, over some of those things and there is a, a lot of value in them, I feel like the real juicy part of this conversation is McKenna's story and uh, the leap that she took when she really didn't have to and how it all turned out. Um, a super interesting story, very interesting conversation, and she's doing some amazing things in the world today. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna just cut right to this episode. And if you wanna connect with her, check the show notes. You will see all of that below. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and hit me with a review, hit me with a rating, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode again. And guys, I just want to say we crossed the top 5% mark on podcasts. So come on, help us get to that top two and all the way up to top one. And of course, we'll keep doing our part in bringing quality guests in like this and having amazing, amazing content for you all. All right, let's get to it. So McKenna, I remember meeting her at the, uh, not me, I feel like we didn't really meet at the <laughs> Miami event, but we saw each other from a distance. Saw, there you go. We saw each other. <laughs> we introduced ourselves to each other a little bit. And um, there's something about her energy, though, that I thought was uh, just like, I just really wanted to get to know a little bit more. And then I found out you lived in Austin, Texas, and I was like, this is amazing. And um, after, you know, getting to connect with you in the last event, um, I knew I had to bring you on here. So with that all being said, I, I like to start in a very particular area with my guest. And uh, with that, I was doing a little bit of research and I, so I know that the business you're in now is not the first business that you've had, right? No. So you started in the... It looks like you started in the marketing play, in the marketing space, right? So tell me about where did this entrepreneur bug begin for you? You can take me back as long as you feel like it's necessary, but I'm curious as to what order of events got you into being one of us, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it was definitely in my blood. Um, so I was actually homeschooled K through 12 because my parents were entrepreneurs and actually my mom has been coaching life coaching business relationships for 36 years now. So okay, I'm 33. Okay. So I got so many things here, but so she's been coaching way before coaching was a thing. It sounds yes, like, absolutely. Um, that's, that's an OG. That's a really, that's a really cool. And you did homeschooling. I was homeschooled. Yeah. The reason was because everything was uh, in person back then. There was no online, you know, programs online didn't really exist. And so um, they led my mom led seminars and she would travel. We had a conference center outside of Austin, 71 acres and a conference center out there. So people would fly in to do seminars and then we would go spend. Um, she just decided early on that she wanted to live part of, she always wanted to be where the weather was good, basically. So we lived part of our year in Hawaii and part of our year in Europe and then here in Austin. And so because of that, we were homeschooled because she wanted to be able to take, there's five of us kids wanted to be able to take us with her. And so that was just my lifestyle growing up. And I was uh, in her seminar rooms out of all the kids. She really inspired us or, you know, encouraged us to go for what we were curious about and passionate about and interested in, because that's a lot of her work. And um, so I was really wanting to be in the seminars with all the adults. So starting at age seven, she let me start sitting in these classes with, you know, with corporate and entrepreneurs and all different kinds of people. And I went through her four-year high-performance leadership training and coaching certification by the time I was 12. Uh, it was a month, a month-long training every year for four years. Um, and so wow. that was oh like God. the That's early insane. start. Yeah. <laughs> the early start of entrepreneurship my whole life and, you know, always doing little businesses on the side and things like that. But that's, if you want to go all the way back, that's really probably where it all started. Uh, okay. So it was just, like you said, it was just in your blood. It's, it's kind of sound like that was just like as normal as breathing to you. It was, but you know, I always uh-huh. say that no one escapes their own hero's journey. I feel like we all in our lives have our own experience of in some way, shape or form going away from ourselves or away from home and then coming back. And for me, that was um, in my teens and early twenties. I really, despite being raised, my mom's work is called the aliveness method, one of her methodologies. And despite being raised told you can do anything you want, follow your aliveness. um, I still like teenage years, all the fears and doubts kicked in and all the, like, I just want to fit in and be normal and not be the weird homeschooled kid anymore. And so I was like, I'm going to go I'm going to go get a corporate job. Like I I'm going to, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. Right. I don't know where I got this idea and did my own form of rebelling was to go to like a conservative new England business school and like go down the track of, you know, I'm going to go into corporate and got out of school four years later and was just like, Oh my God, I'm so far away from myself. I remembered, luckily I had a memory of what it was like to like live life on your terms but it didn't stop me from going like down a different track. So it wasn't until six months after graduation, I took a job right out of college. And then I was just like, "Mm, I don't think I'm employable. How long did you stay stay with that job? Six months. And then I started my first business. Okay. So six months you were like, okay, it's probably not going to be it. Not it. Yeah. I, um, so it sounds like, um, you're, it sounds like when you, when you come to the decision that something's not for you, you're pretty quick to 
I think so more and more now I definitely am. But Uh then it was, it was scary. And I I always say I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur. In fact, I'm pretty risk averse. So I think I always thought I wasn't really an entrepreneurial type. You didn't describe yourself as one, even when you had a business. Yeah. Like I, I am just, I'm not typically more the risk taker type. And so what really happened was I had that job for six months I left that job and then I was looking for other jobs and I couldn't find anything that interested me. I couldn't find anything that would allow me to work from home. I wanted that freedom back in, you know, 2012 and that would, yeah, that was like something I was really passionate about. There wasn't many options back then and like personal development and things like that. And so I just kind of started freelancing and online marketing and copywriting and then I grew very quickly. I built that first business to six figures in 18 months. And then I grew from there and then ran that business for six years before I burned out basically and <laughs> became a coach. So, mm, okay. And so mm. in that moment where you burned out, is this, I was watching uh, some of your videos a couple of mm-hmm. days ago. And one of the things I saw you talk about was you had a, um, a moment where you decided to give your life over to God, right? Mm, yep. And it's, was that the point where the burnout happened? And when you, it was, it was after the burnout. Yeah. And I say burnout, I was burning out. I was like flirting with burnout for a long time. I would say about two to three years out of the six that I was in my previous business, though I loved helping mission-driven entrepreneurs grow their online presence Um, And I felt really aligned with their visions and missions. My soul started saying like, Hey, there's something else you're supposed to be doing. You're not supposed to be stuck here behind the scenes. Like, you know, deep down that you're meant to be coaching. And I was like, go away. I don't want to listen to you. Like I have a six figure business. Like life is good. I'm living in California. I met the man of my dreams. Like, why would I make a change? Right. And I hear this from people a lot who are still, I know a lot of your audience is already entrepreneurs, but people who are still in corporate or in whatever business they're doing that they don't love is they like, don't want to listen to that voice or they go, why I should be grateful for what I have. Like, why do I want more? Right. Or even if you're in a business and it's just like an evolution of your business wanting to happen. So I had a lot of that and it wasn't until I started getting anxiety, health issues, and then eventually full-blown panic attacks. Um, by the time I finally made the transition, I mean, I could, I almost couldn't not, I was having full-blown panic attacks almost every single day thinking that I was dying. Um, it was pretty intense. And I tried in 2017 to start a coaching business and failed completely. So that was embarrassing. Went back to my marketing business. (laughs) Yeah. Just didn't get any, I got like one client who wasn't paying me very much money. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had coaching experience, but I didn't know what I was doing on the business side of coaching. And I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn on the coaching side as well. So tried and failed a year later, just, it just kept getting louder, right? The the anxiety, the panic attacks, everything. When you were doing the, uh, the, the first bit, when you you were doing the first coaching um, company, were you still running your marketing business or? I sort of tried to stop. I was like, I'm not going to take on any more clients. I'm going to just like pause everything. And I'm going to like announce to the world that I'm coaching and start coaching and yeah, got one client, couldn't pay my bills and had to basically go back to quietly to my marketing business. Um, and so that was super discouraging. Like people talk about like fear and self-doubt. I'm like, I get it. First of all, I had plenty of it and I tried and failed. So I was like, well, 
now I'm really not supposed to do this, right? Maybe this right. really like, isn't. I told you so, see? And yeah, I totally. get Totally. Well, so when you, about... oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, when you have that um, deep down feel, like that deep down knowing though, that you're meant to do something or meant yeah, to do something different. Like there's no arguing with that, even when you have the fears and doubts or the first thing you try didn't work or whatever. So just to quickly close the loop, I know this is a long story on, I love it. I love on it. giving my life over to God, or that's one way of saying it. Um, that was when I had my turning point moment in 2018, early 2018, my mentor led me through an experience over the course of a couple of days. And I saw exactly what I was like what I wanted to do that I had to do this, that if I didn't do it, I would probably get very sick, which was my like wake up call moment. My body was like giving me all how these signs. You, how did you start feeling? Was it just like a feeling like you felt that? Did you just? No, no. Again, through her facilitation. So my mentor is my mom. Um, and at that point she stepped in and was like, I can't sit by any longer. And over the course of a couple of days, I had no idea she was doing this. We were just hanging out in Costa Rica about to lead a retreat together and we went a couple of days early and we're talking, we're walking on the beach, we're grabbing margaritas, like just having a great time. And every time I would try to figure out what I wanted to do, which I was like in that loop at that time, like, what's next? What do I want to do? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. She would distract me. She wouldn't even let me like talk about it. So, you know, we'd go get a massage on the beach or we'd go have another margarita. And all I know is that in two days, I saw my life stretch out in front of my eyes. I saw exactly what I wanted to do. I saw that again, if I didn't do it, I would probably get very sick, have a lot of regrets. Um, and that was my really like a clear turning point moment for me where I said, I have to do this no matter how scared I am, no matter, like, I have no idea how it's going to work. Um, and that's when we entered into a formal mentorship as well. I was like, I can't do this alone. I tried, I need support. I need to learn the, the, coaching side more. I need to learn the business side. Um, so I want to mentor under you. And that was, uh, four years ago and we've grown cute, you know, exponentially since. Yeah. So. Now, when you say giving your life over to God, though, I think it'll be, I think it would be valuable if you share a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, to me, that means because I was so terrified. And I think that the work that is closest to our heart and soul usually scares the, can I curse shit out of yes, us? Of okay. Um, usually scares the shit out of us. And there's a great book, uh, the war of art. Have you read that one by Stephen Pressfield? Oh, I and feel like I've, I've, uh, I've seen it on audible. I feel like I have it in my library. Yeah. <laughs> war of <laughs> art. And then his other one is turning pro. And those are two of my favorite books. And he talks that. about, yeah. Way. So he talks about resistance and that the thing that is closest to your heart and soul is where we experience the most resistance. And I've seen that to be true. And so this was like very close to my heart and soul. And so I was terrified and again, not being a risk taker, being in this established business, thinking about completely making a change for me to do that was my like, God, if I'm meant to do this, if I'm meant to touch lives in this way, if this is, you know, if this call on my heart and soul that I'm feeling is true, because I know deep down it is, then I'm handing it over to you. I am going to do, I'm going to take all the action, right? I'm not just going to like sit here and yeah, wait for yeah. it to happen. I'll go for it. I'm a go-getter, but I was like, I'm just going to trust that it's going to work out. And literally I go back to this 
all the time because you know, in entrepreneurship, there's ups and downs and there's challenges. It doesn't matter how big you grow. There's that next challenge. There's that next thing. And you go, well, shoot, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, like, I hope we survive this. And every time I go back to that, I just go, if this is what I'm supposed to do, like, you know, you do your part. I'm over here doing mine basically. So that's what I mean. It's, it's not a passive giving my life over. And you could call, you could call God, whatever you want to call it, the universe, you could call it your intuition, your deeper knowing, you know, I, I use all of those words, but um, I just like the word, word God. It resonates for me. I love so. the word God. I, I've always yeah. loved the word. I, or in high school, I had a little problem with it. <laughs> and then I started getting into spirituality. I was like, oh my God, such a beautiful word. <laughs> so no, I totally get that. So what's been your biggest aha moment since you've given your life over to God through business this way? What would you mm-hmm. say has been your biggest aha or your biggest um, reflection on your part? That would be good for you to reflect on too. Mm. Yeah, that was a huge one. I think in terms of growing a successful, you know, coaching business, what's been, what I've really looking, it's like, you can connect the dots looking back. You can't connect them, you know, going forward or in the moment always. So as I've looked back on these past few years of growing like hugely in my coaching and then in our business and everything, um, I really saw that what, what had to happen for me to do what I've done and we're still, you know, growing um, was basically three areas. And this is really true for coaches, but for people who aren't coaches, maybe there's, you know, just two of the areas, or maybe there's something different, but, um, for me, I identified it as coaching mastery, business mastery, and self-mastery. So one, because if you try to build a sustainable coaching business without any one of those pillars, to me, it's not actually sustainable. So business mastery is obvious, right? We all know we have to learn the business side. There's people out there who just want to coach and, and, and do it for free. And, you know, that's great. That's a hobby, but to actually make it a business, you have to learn the business side as well. So that one's obvious to most people. Um, self-mastery is pretty obvious to most people or it's starting to be, I think this is a lot of what you work with, with, um, what did you call it? Your neuro rewiring neural pathways, right. And helping people around confidence is, um, self-doubt fear patterns that we have that keep us stuck. One of my biggest patterns was overwhelm. We've identified 12 different patterns that keep people stuck. And then, you know, a process to help people move through those patterns. And so 12 here in a second, what? Do you mind identifying those 12 here in a second? Yeah, I can identify them. I'll have to pull them up because I don't have them all memorized. But um, yeah, so self-mastery is how do you you master yourself so that you, because entrepreneurship is an emotional game. It is not just about strategy and tactics and whatever else, right? So, um, and then the third one is coaching mastery. And coaching mastery is one that I think some people really dive into and they ignore maybe some the business mastery one. And then some people like don't go as deep as they really could, or maybe should, I don't like to use the word should, but here's why coaching mastery to me is about feeling a hundred percent confident in your ability to profoundly transform somebody's life. And to me, that is a lifelong, if you're any kind of coach or transformational, you don't even have to be a coach, any kind of transformational work to me too. And I don't know to identify as a coach. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, transformational expert, whatever you want to call it, then you being dedicated to that path of, of mastery, mastering of yourself, and then mastery of being able to work with people and transform lives 
not only gives you the confidence to put yourself out there to charge what you want to charge, to feel in full, like integrity and congruence doing it, but it also leads to what I call the three R's. So the three R's are repeat clients, referrals, and a better reputation. Now, why are the three R's important? Because most of the coaches I know are out there trying to find a whole bunch of new clients all the time. And that's important. It's a huge part of it. But what if you could have most of your clients come back and work with you again and again? And what if they went and told all their friends? And then what does that do for your reputation and your revenue? Because you have consistent revenue coming in. You have people, you don't have to go out and sell a new client. You know, you have people on their last call with you going like, how do I continue? Right. What's next? And my mom has clients, you know, we're in business together now. She has clients that have worked with her for um, 25 years, some of them, 10, 15, 25 years. Talk about LTV. (laughs) And they leave for a while. Sometimes, you know, they go work on whatever, and then they come back and they'll work with us for a year or two or however long. And then they'll, you know, come in and out like that. But that kind of retention comes from, in my opinion, coaching mastery. And so my biggest aha, apart from like the surrender piece, and then really being in the inspired action, um, would be around like really that that's what it took. And it, those are the areas I continue to pursue mm-hmm. in, in excellence in what I do. Um, and that's really what we teach when we, you know, we have a coaching certification that teaches all three of those areas. And then we have other programs that focus yeah, maybe curious. less on the coaching mastery side and they focus more on the business and self mastery side. Okay. I'm really curious actually to, uh, I was uh, going to ask you a little bit about just a live method because I saw something pretty interesting when I was going through your Facebook group, but um, okay. So actually, yeah, let me just, let me ask you this question. I saw, because apparently you don't run a fitness program or like a skincare program, but I'm seeing that the women who go through your program are like aging backwards. And <laughs> this, is, this is a coaching program for not just becoming a cert- cert- certifying yourself, becoming a transformational coach and being great at what you do there at a mastery level, but the business side of things. Why do you think that's happening with you? Now, it hasn't just been one client. Like I saw multiple clients. Who- yeah, yeah. So what Adrian is referring to is we take before and after videos of people when they're going through our programs. And um, we actually take still shots then from those videos. People have no expression on their face looking directly into the camera and we try to get the lighting and everything as close as possible on the before and after. And then what you see are physiological changes that take place as people are going through our programs, whether they're becoming a certified coach, but, but in being certified, they have to apply everything themselves first. They're getting coached along the way or whether they're being coached by someone using the aliveness method. The reason we call it the aliveness method is that the eyes are the window to the soul, right? And we are all started out as happy babies. Think about when a baby is first born, as long as they're born into a healthy environment, their eyes are bright, they're lit up and alive. They're totally present and in their experience as they get older, the lights begin to dim. If you look in the eyes of a high school senior versus the eyes of a baby, what's the difference, right? There's a Mm -hmm. lot more it's dimmer. There's not as much light. There's more emotion in the face and in the eyes. And that's because through the challenging experiences we go through in life, different people to different degrees, layers of emotion get stored on top of our natural light. But as we work with people, this is what we do in the aliveness method. We help realign them to that light. And we actually teach ways to measure that in yourself and then to measure that in your clients as you're working with them. And 
through that, we're not coaching from the mind anymore. This is why when my mom led me through that experience in Costa Rica, every time I would try to figure it out, she would distract me because I was in the box. I was in the box and the instructions are written on the outside of the box. My puppy probably can hear barking downstairs. But wait, Chloe wait, wait, is. You just said some like profound shit right there. I just want to okay. like, what, what do you mean when you said it's, you're in the box when what you're looking for is outside of what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Haven't you ever had that experience? Like you feel like you're trying to get clear on something and you just can't see what direction to go. You get that? Like, it's like you're in a box. They keep having the same kinds of thoughts or you're, you know, other people are giving you ideas, but it's not, it's like the instructions are on the outside of the box. So what we do in the aliveness method is we actually work with people. We, we watch as they're talking, we teach coaching skills. And by the way, coaching skills are communication skills. You can use these in your personal life. We have people who go through Mm. our programs who are in corporate or in all kinds of things because they want to learn these skills. And through that, we reflect back to someone where we see them light up. That is a clue. And there's a lot of subtlety to this, but that is a clue that points the way to your most extraordinary life. I like to say, like, we help people create extraordinary lives, but that's not like, oh, the way we did it is the way you should do it. You are a hundred percent unique. There's no one like you on the entire planet, but how do we get in touch with what you really want deep down? When you were a baby, you would say, I want an ice cream and you cry until you got the ice cream, you knew exactly what you wanted and you didn't stop throwing a fit until you got it. Right. And as adults, we think we don't know what we want, but the truth is deep Mm. down, we all know, and this is a way to get in touch with that. And so that's what we really teach. So how it de-ages people, so to speak, which often happens, people will look five, 10, 15 years younger, the two sides of the face will often integrate. So you'll see, they'll be very different, the left and right side. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see that balance out. The eyes will often look brighter and there might still be emotion. I mean, you know, and it'll, it'll change over time, but we do see these changes typically in people who do this work because as they get more into alignment with their aliveness, with the life that they're truly meant to live, then the eyes become brighter, right? And we also work with people around that stored emotion that's been stuck in there and ways to release that, that aren't just, you know, going back and regurgitating the same thing over and over. How do you actually let that go so that you can really move forward in your life? And so that's that's the sort of de-aging you're talking about. I love that you <laughs> saw those. I saw that because I, when, I, when I scrolled by it, I was just like, hold on, did she sell like skincare stuff too? Like that was the first thing that came across my mind. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh shit. I was like, that is, that's a really cool. Cause you don't see like co- business coaching programs and, you know, certification programs, like putting, sharing that kind of stuff. So I thought that was really interesting because yeah. like turning the light on something important too. And that's just like, you know, the outside is the inside. You mm-hmm. know, the external game is the internal game. If you're feeling dead on the inside, like you're not living with what you, your purpose, not in alignment, it's going to be hard to, I mean, externally it's going to show too. And um, uh, I just, I just really wanted to highlight that because I thought that was really yeah. interesting that you guys do that. And, yeah, and uh, I really, I really think there are these moments of like, even if, you know, a lot of your listeners are already entrepreneurs and they're not in that place. Like I was of, uh, I'm going to change everything, right. They might be in a business that they love, but something I want to really normalize is that there are these periods where things don't feel like they quite fit anymore. And you feel like something needs to change. But I think what happens, I've experienced this is like, when you're in the thing that you love doing, you're like, 
wait a second, but I can't, you know, I don't want to change. Like, this is what I want to be doing. Right. And so, but we have these periods where we've sort of outgrown the old, like the snake skin, right. It's like, it's too small for us. And there is this process of then the up level to the next level. And again, that's where these kinds of tools are really powerful because whether you're being coached by someone who's trained in them, or you're learning them and using them with yourself or using them for your clients, it's how do you get clear on what that is? So that, because what most people do is they come up with what I call quote unquote, good ideas. And most coaches give a lot of advice, right? So either someone is, you know, talking and they're like, yeah, I think I want to do this, this, and this. And then the coach is like, great, let's help you do that. And then they help them make a whole plan. But what if that idea wasn't actually aligned for them? What if it was just a good idea from their head? What's going to happen? They're going to follow that thread and either it's not going to work because it wasn't the right thing in the first place, or it's going to work, but they're not actually going to be happy and fulfilled, even if they're successful at it. So how do you find out before that happens? Like what is actually the right direction? I was just on a call the other day with someone and I reflected back to her where I saw her light up. She had a million different ideas. And she was like, at the end of the session, she was like, that was so invaluable because I have no idea which one to do. I've got all these ideas and you, you know, I'm trained to do this. were able to reflect back to me where you saw that energy and aliveness. That's a clue. It doesn't mean that's the end all be all of what she should do, but it starts to move us in a direction that's more in alignment for her. So Okay, well, answer this as you can, but how, just the most, like the practical side of me is like, how do we, like if you have all these ideas, um, what what are the things you look for um, whenever somebody's sharing with you all these different ideas and like, what are Mm -hmm. some of the things you look for in order to get them focused in a direction that's not, again, not a direction that you're tending them to, but a direction that they're tending themselves to and you're just like getting them there. Like what things? Yeah. Well, I can tell you at a very simple, you know, level. And I think the training you were on the other day is actually to go deeper into this in our Facebook group. But, um, basically on the simplest level, you're looking for where does the light come into the eyes? Okay. But the subtlety of this is that most people think someone's lighting up if they're like smiling and they're animated and they're talking. So I give the example, like I can be talking about, you know, um, I don't know, sailing and I'm not a big sailor. It's not something that actually probably lights me up. So I can be like, sailing's great. And yeah, I went on this sailing trip and it was amazing and I'm smiling and I'm animated. And so an untrained coach would go, Oh, she lit up on sailing. Right. I did a coaching evening the other night and put someone in front of the room and was coaching them. And 95% of the room didn't identify where she actually lit up. They said something else. Only one person in the whole room caught where the actual light came in. So there's a practice to this. So I'm, I'm telling you, but also telling you there's subtleties, but it is about where does the light come into the eye? On the other hand, if I'm talking about photo shoots, which is one of my personal passions, and I start talking about like, I have two photo shoots next month. And one of them's, you know, an underwater shoot. And I'm so excited about that. And I love the creativity and everything. You can see me here. Your audience can't, but was there a difference? Did you see a difference in the light in my eyes? Did you notice? I noticed the movement in your eyes changed. I don't know. Okay. If 
that. Yeah. So like, I, but that's I, probably I, what you're trained to notice because you have, do you have an NLP background? Yes, I do. Yeah. The first, so, thing I, I first, I, first thing I paid attention to was where your eyeballs actually went when you talked because your eyeballs went in one direction when you talked about setting in another direction when you talked about. Interesting. So yeah. <laughs> so that's like an NLP, that's an NLP more approach, right? Yeah, yeah. But we're looking for like this twinkle in the eyes. Where do they have uh-huh. more light and vitality. And sometimes you can feel and sense it, but that's a little more advanced. Um, so that's at a very basic level. And then we teach tools to like measure it in yourself. And, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down here, but the difference is this most coaches, when they are, when they are coaching, they are listening deeply because they've been told to listen deeply and, or they're jumping in, they want to help them. So they're giving advice. They're trying to help them solve the problem. And we always say, uh, don't solve people's problems. You give them a bigger and better problem. Oh, I've never heard that. Give us an example. Can you give us an example of that? Yeah, I can give you an example back to the box. Remember? So in the box, And what most coaches are doing is they're climbing into the box with their clients. I hate to say it, but they're climbing into the box with their clients to some degree. I mean, there's many great coaches out there. And in my experience, I've seen this a lot. And um, because they're listening deeply, they're getting caught up in that person's story, that person's worldview, and then they're getting in and they're trying to help them solve the problems that they are talking about. But the truth is, you can't solve a problem like that famous quote. I think it was Einstein from the same level of thinking that created it. So instead as the coach, your role is to sit a little outside and be in this space. We call it the seat of the coach and be observing. Where do you see them light up? And then that again, reflecting that back, that gives you clues, but back to don't solve their problems. Let me give you an example. I was just on a call yesterday in one of our business programs and the woman asking for coaching, had gone on a coffee with someone who was a potential client. And she said, yeah, she just kept going on and on about this relationship and was there twin flame and all these things. And you know that, oh, there's no way it could ever work and da, 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 da. And so I had a role play with me. And so I role played, she was first, she was herself and I was the client and I'm going on and on and on. And she's like offering, you know, little things she sees or advice or whatever, trying to help me. And then we switched and she went on and on and on. And I just said, wow, you know, that's really hard or that sounds really challenging. And then I said, and I, I yielded in such a way, this is getting into a bunch of different skills. So I'm going to try to loop this back around. I yielded in such a way, um, yielding, or we call it conscious responding is one of our, um, skills as well, that there was no, I wasn't trying to solve anything for her. I was empathetic, not sympathetic. We don't want to be sympathetic, but empathy is very powerful. Good to see Such a good And I was totally empathetic, warm. I was connected, but I didn't try to solve it for her because the truth is there may not be a solution to that. And then instead there came a point where she relaxed enough because of the way that I was using conscious responding. She relaxed enough to where I said, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah. I said, what else do you want? And she was like, oh, well, I mean, I'd really love to move to another country. And it opened up this whole other line of conversation. So what did I do there? She's in the box trying to solve her problem of this twin flame and the da 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 da. Ah. 
And there came a moment, I couldn't have just jumped in with this right away, or she would have been like defensive or like, why is this woman trying to write? But because I use these other coaching skills. And then there came a moment where I could ask, there was an opening. What, what do you want? Like, what else do you want? And that took her into a different way of thinking in that moment. And this is what we teach is you don't solve people's problems. You give them a better problem, which is going for what they want. Most people are stuck in all kinds of problems that aren't actually the problems they need to be thinking about. Hmm. You see? So we, we help them see through the coaching. And again, there's subtlety to the way to approach this. So people don't get defensive, but we help them see through the coaching. What's the bigger game? Like, what do they really want? What are they longing for? Right. What is that calling on their heart and soul? And then how do they go out and go for that? Now that is a much better problem to be spending your time thinking about. You see, it's like, how does she move to Europe? That's a better Mm. problem than like, what is she going to do about this twin flame? Like that. Right. I'm thinking right now, it was like, making this applicable to ourselves, like self-coaching, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm, when absolutely. you're in those moments and you're scattered box. I'm curious, what are some of the things that you do for yourself when you're coaching yourself? Because um, I would do, I, I can imagine you do, of course. Yeah, right. I do. And I honestly... I get coaches because you, I mean, there's processes I can, I can do and take myself through, but I have coaches and mentors and everything because sometimes you can't, it's hard to break yourself out of that. You can recognize what happens as you gain more self-mastery is first you gain awareness. That's what happens first. So if you're normally you have all your patterns or your, you know, fears, doubts, whatever, and most people are unaware that that's even happening. It's just happening and they have no idea, right? I'm sure you you work with yeah. people around this in your work. Then there's a level of awareness where they start to go, oh, wait, I, I see this as a pattern. Every time I start worrying about money, um, then I get on this mental loop in my head, right? Or every time I start feeling stressed about this, then I go into the state of overwhelm. So first you become aware of it. And through that awareness, we always say awareness starts to create the change because you have, you automatically start to make shifts to make a change there. Now that will take you only so far. And then we have processes, but I would say, um, a simple way, if I'm really like, in a loop or caught in a way of thinking about things, I normally would go to a coach, but if I wasn't going to do that, I would probably just write out all my thoughts and considerations. So we talk about just like writing them all out, but not believing them and then tearing that piece of paper up, throwing it away and then shifting to something that you want basically. So like my clients that have, you know, fears or doubts coming up around building their businesses, I will say, write it all out. Um, and then Some people have a ritual around it. They want to go do a dance song or do something to change their state and then go take an action right then that's going to move you forward in your business because that shifts through everything, right? That's an example of going for what you want instead of getting caught up in all the thoughts and the mental loops. So does that answer your question? Yeah, it sure does. Now, a question that I think um, our audience is really going to like is because a lot of the people who listen to this episode, um, whether they would identify themselves as coaches or not. I know a lot of people who listen to this episode are here to transform the lives of other people. Yeah. Right. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see in people who go off helping people? 
you know what I mean? Go, go they're, off they're, helping they're, people like they like coaching. Like what are some of the biggest mistakes you see in coaching, in transformational work that you want others not to repeat and you just want them to look out for? Because mm. uh, yeah. I think we've covered some of them. So I would say solving people's problems. Um, another one would be, um, yeah, jumping in with a lot of advice or, or having, here's, here's a big one, having any kind of agenda as to what someone should do or shouldn't do, or what you think would be in their best interests or anything like that. As a coach, your role is actually to be a kind of a neutral, like an, I don't even say neutral an open space. Because in that, it's so rare that people have experienced that. That's some of the other skills I was talking about, like the conscious responding. That's why in that conversation, when we were role-playing, she settled down completely because she's probably never had anybody respond to her that way. But when you use those skills and you don't have any, I had no opinion about whether this woman should be with that person, shouldn't be with that person. If, you know, I just was, I was like an open space to see. And I would ask questions like, well, what do you see to do about that? And she'd be like, well, I don't know. And this and that, but I'm not in there trying to solve her problem. Right. So being this open space and having no agenda as to like a lot of times coaches, because they want to be good coaches and they want to help their clients get results, they get fixated on solving the problem, trying to get them the result, whatever it is. And in that it creates this dynamic where there's not this opening I'm talking about. When you know how to create that opening, then new possibilities emerge that could never have come from the mind. And it's a, again, like a new way of thinking. And so to break that down to something simple that people could go out and apply, because I know I'm like talking in very <laughs> abstract terms here is, is being, I guess, like agendaless in a sense, your agenda is only like the highest good of your client, right? But you don't know what that is. Only they know deep down what that is. So you as the coach, your role is to help them get to their deep down knowing, and everyone has a different timing. So there's moments to push or to hold the line in coaching when they are clear on something and they said they want to go for it. And then you step in and that's where like accountability comes in. But most coaches jump in too early and they try to, you know, have them make something work or they think they should go this direction. And um, yeah, it doesn't necessarily yeah, get you there. Not solving their problems. I feel like a lot of coaches, uh, actually, they call themselves coaches, but they end up being teachers, Yeah, right? Like constantly teaching things. And um, that was a big thing for me until I realized what coaching actually was. And I was like, wow, it's a whole nother Yeah. Space, and right? there can be a there can be both, right? You can, I do both. I definitely teach sometimes with my clients, but there is an art to the coaching side. So that's, that's one of the don'ts. The other thing is don't focus so much on the business side that you ignore the coaching side because, or the other way around, by the way, like, you know, if you're focused too much on the coaching side, getting a million billion certifications, but not, that's why our certification, we included a business program in it. And it's a huge component of it is like, we don't just want you learning this. We want you out there actually getting clients and applying it because people would go through 10 other certifications and never go get clients. Right. So both are true. Um, if you're focusing so much on one and ignoring the other, then ultimately it's not going to get you where you want to go. So I always say like the, some of the best known coaches aren't necessary. And I hate this is, you said to say whatever I want to say. So I'm going to yes. be very blunt. The best coach, the most well-known coaches aren't the best coaches. They're the best marketers. 
Yes, that is 100% a factor right there. It's, yeah, so it's I'm on a mission to up-level the standard of coaching in the industry. And again, coaching, ex, you know, transformation. We have people using this in companies. We have people using this in their families. So I'm using the uh-huh. word coaching because it's, it's, a, it's an easier term to use. Yeah, Remember, right. these are, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to inter- no. uh, come in here for a second. So the enlightenment yeah. method itself, that, it sounds like that is what you teach your clients to use is yeah. what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of like, think about like NLP, right? Okay. People don't just do NLP because they want to be a coach. Some people do, but other people use it in all other kinds of ways. So the aliveness myself, method. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The aliveness method is similar. It's, it's a method that you first apply to yourself in our program and you're getting your own clarity. You're, you know, applying it in your relationships and whatever else. And then you're learning to transform others. Or I, I think of it as like a master's program in transformation. So oh, that is, yeah. yeah. So that is, um, there was something you asked that I wanted to say, and I can't remember what it was. So I'm sure it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it, it was, I'm trying to think. It was something like what, it was kind of like, best- what is the aliveness method? Or like, is it, it sounds like something you teach people to use on their clients. Right. That, but they, again, like NLP, so you use it with yourself first first. and then you can use it with your clients. And then some people, like I said, we have uh, people who are in corporate who want to do like more, you know, bring it into their teams and have better communication in their teams and culture, or they want to do coaching within an organization, or they think at some point they may want to do that. We have, you know, moms and, you know, family people who want to do this for themselves and their loved ones. Um, A lot of my mom's work for many years was around relationships and communication. So there's a huge, you know, Mm -hmm. communication component as well, but it is basically like, skills, foundational skills of coaching, and then frameworks that you can use, you know, similar again to like NLP or something like that. So that you don't have to rely on your own, like you're not just going and coaching someone based on what you've experienced and learned, like you said, and teaching it to them. You've actually learned like how to work with people in this really deep way. Yeah. So that's our, that's our certification. And then we do have, you know, business. I think you said, you said something that I just want to highlight. Um, I think it's just important for anybody who's in the space of transformation, um, for other people, you said they go through it first and then they start working with clients on it. Um, I think there's so many well-intended people who are working from such depleted places internally to help others. And that was me for the longest time. I Mm. was like, I believed wholeheartedly that I was not good enough to get what I wanted. And here I was helping people believe that they were good enough. Um, And it was the most interesting and um, conflictive point of my life ever. And uh, I literally lost almost everything because of this. But it's just so important that, you know, we understand that the external game is the internal game. And helping yourself first is really the only way to really make the kind of impact. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh my gosh, so much. That's why I love the work that you're doing with people because so much of entrepreneurship is the internal game. And of course you need the strategies and you need the skills and whatever else. Um, but it is hugely, it is the ability to, yeah, not hit those upper limits and then, you know, self-sabotage your way back. It's the ability to move through when those fears and doubts are coming up. And, you know, I haven't experienced your work firsthand, but I know it's phenomenal just from what I've heard from other people. And yeah, I think that's, that's so 
so right on. And whatever you do, that's why we say a lot of coaching programs teach, they teach in the university model of teaching or the school model of teaching. Um, but you know, I went to university after being homeschooled K through 12, I graduated summa cum laude, like very, you know, top of my class kind of thing and was super overachiever in college because I had something to prove. And do I remember anything? Like, I don't use anything I learned in college. I don't remember almost anything I learned in college. And I'm like, that was four years of cramming information into my head. And I don't use or remember almost any of it. So that, that style of teaching, in my opinion, doesn't work very well. And that's what I think a lot of coaching programs, there's, there's some great ones out there. And that's, I think the model, they're all going off of this, like study, you know, do lots of repetition and then memorize, take a test, whatever. And that's not the way we teach. We teach experientially you. That's why you see those powerful before and afters. Like why, why are people aging backwards as you put it, which I love because they're transforming and then they can go out from an embodied place of having experienced that transformation and change other people's lives. So yes, from a psychological standpoint, like we're going to, I'm not like a neuroscientist, but I'm like a neuroscientist without the actual, like, you know, like sure, yeah. whatever that is. But I, I, the way that our brains work when it comes to neuroplasticity and creating brand new neurons and neural pathways, if we learn through experience, nobody, your brain does not have the capacity to learn unless there is an experience taking place. And so I feel like what you're doing is you're, really revolutionizing a lot of coaching because I feel like I mean I don't know I've been I've spent hundreds of thousands of I can't even totally I have too hey I know you have too part of the deal man invested in our college educations those of us who went to school and then this is I use I use everything I learned and all those investments and nothing I learned in my very expensive university there you go (laughs) and um but I I just like um it was like a a constant, you know, here's how to lay things out. Uh, I mean, here's how things, here's how to do things. So like, get up and fucking do it, mm. you know? But um, I, I just, I love that you are working with an entire human being and not just a coach. And that's um, something I think is like powerful. I want to highlight what you do there. Um, you. But well, my, one of my last questions for you is, what are, I just like knowing this from um, people that I um, look up to in some way. And I'm curious, what, who's been the biggest influences in your life outside of parents and like family? Mm. Yeah, great question. My mom, of course, but she doesn't count. Right. Um, but I have to separate, I have to say her and I have to separate her because she's not just my mom. In fact, we have that relationship, but she's my mentor and she's my business partner and mm-hmm. a dear friend. So you guys have those two hats. Yeah, totally. Hugely. She's been the, the biggest influence in my life. Um, apart from that, other people that have been a big influence in my life. I mean, my husband, of course, um, I, I have a, an incredible him, relationship. What? So I still got to meet him by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, He's amazing. And um, I'm trying to think who else. I, I mean, for me, hugely my family. I'm trying to think if there's been like a, you know, Let someone I've looked this. up Let to. Let me mm-hmm. ask you this. I think this would be a, a better question. What is one to two book titles that had the biggest impact on you? 
And I know mm-hmm. you've probably read a lot, but I'm curious as to what those one or two book titles would be. Yeah, uh, I think The Turning Pro was one of the big ones for me that I mentioned earlier. Um, they talk about shadow careers, which is basically what I was in before um, when I was in copywriting and marketing um, and then stepping into like what you're really meant to do. Another one that really changed my life. Mm, let me think about this. Mm. I'm I'm like a huge like fiction and fantasy buff, so my oh, mind great. goes to like favorite <laughs> fiction books. But I wouldn't say they changed my life. But um, I mean, I think one that I'm reading right now I'm really enjoying is Rich as Fuck by Amanda Francis. Um, Yeah, I think she's, I've read a lot of money mindset books and I really enjoy the topic of money mindset. Um, And it's something I'm always, always in the learning of myself and working with my clients around. And, you know, I think she is at first glance, you're like, this is this blonde, not no offense to Amanda. I love her, but she's this like little blonde girl in a sea of cash on the front of her book, like in a a bathtub full of cash. And, you know, she's got kind of like this valley girl accent and, you know, and so when she talks at first, you're like, really? Like, but then you start listening to her and you're like, oh my gosh, like this woman really knows her stuff. And she's like a self-made multimillionaire and is just so high vibe around money. Um, so wow. that's just the one that pops into my mind. Cause it's a recent okay. one for me yeah. and I, I recommend it. Yeah. Any uh, mindset sure. is a whole other part, right? It's kind of part of the self-mastery piece, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, money yeah. is at the end of the day, but money is a an extension of self and your money situation is a reflection of your internal perceptions and yeah. uh yeah yeah so i love that okay i can imagine i have some people here who would love to follow you and um, look more into your work more into what you do and working with you as well so how can they follow you where is there something you'd like to give them um anything? yeah Absolutely. Yeah. So we have a free Facebook group. I think that's a really great place to get connected because I do free, like literally train hour long, 45 to minute to hour long trainings every single week in that group for free. So if you want to go deep into any of these areas, business mastery, life mastery or self mastery, you know, coaching mastery, that's really the place to go. And then in there, I have all kinds of freebies, like our quiz, our world changer quiz and all kinds of other stuff. So the group is like a good hub for all of that. Um, So it's called the mastery of coaching group. And the URL to join is go, so G-O, go dot follow your aliveness.com slash join. Go. And I'll put that in the chat. Yeah. Go dot follow your aliveness.com slash join. I do free trainings in there. We have coaches and, you know, not just coaches again, like consultants, speakers, transformational, whatever from all over the world. As long as you're a human being and you're breathing. (laughs) As long as you're a human being committed. I always say our tribe is open-hearted, impact-driven. If that's you, then there's a place for you here. Now, last question here. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm really happy to hear about what I'm really curious to hear what you're going to say. So let's imagine that this was your last 60 seconds on the earth. Okay. Mm. Loaded question. I know, <laughs> but last 60 seconds and you had a megaphone that was going to broadcast in the entire globe. All right. Everybody can hear you. Okay. What would your message, your parting message be mm. as you transition? What would that be? There, I believe your soul came in with a blueprint for your best possible life, your most extraordinary life. And you know, deep down exactly what that is. And you have free choice in the matter. You have free will, but so many of us override 
that or don't know how to get in touch with that. And I think that it is your life's work and your life's mission to discover what that is and to live that out in this lifetime. So that when you transition, you, your soul, I believe goes, you know, we go somewhere else and your soul gets to go like, I lived full out. I left, I put it all on the table. I left no stone unturned. I lived deeply. I love, you know, I I loved deeply. I lived fully. And so just like, go find what that is and get whatever support you need. And, but like, that is, that is it. And no desire is like, your desires are sacred. No desire is silly or bad. As long as it doesn't harm anyone, go for it. 